Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 340 of Sustainable Minimalist. If you're new here and you're wondering to yourself, what on earth is this show about? Well, it is a twice weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. So happy to have all of you here with me today. On today's show, we are discussing how to become a responsible giver. And if you're wondering why, oh, why is Stephanie releasing an episode about responsible giving, being an intentional gifter in January, we just got through the holiday season, well, stay with me for a minute because I have a very long-winded way of explaining why I think I can change your mind. In preparing for this episode, I sat down and I wrote down, it took me under five minutes, all the opportunities in my life where there's an opportunity to give a gift. We have extended families' birthdays in five months. So those are birthday months for either my parents or my husband's parents or my nieces, my nephews, my sister, my brother-in-law, etc. Then in February, of course, we have Valentine's Day. We tend to give to our spouse and our children on Valentine's Day these days. In April, my family celebrates Easter, which is Easter basket season for the kiddos. So my, my daughters, of course, and then as well as my niece and nephew. October, we've got Halloween, and I don't tend to give um, my children gifts at Halloween, and I don't tend to give my nieces and nephews gifts. However, it's not unheard of to give like an extra piece of special candy to the kiddos in our life in October. And then, of course, obviously, December is the holiday frenzy free for all. And so, out of 12 months, only two of them, only May and August are the months in which I don't have any gift to buy. Two months out of 12, the vast majority of time during the year, I am buying gifts. We live in a society in which celebrating everything with a physical gift is the norm, for better or for worse. And because of that, there are so many opportunities for us to be unintentional with our gifting. It is on us, however, I believe it's on us to obtain the skills and the knowledge necessary to give with responsibility and give with intention. That's where today's guest comes in. Today I'm speaking with Tracy Lynch. She argues that the gift-giving exchange, as it's traditionally done, comes at a price that the planet cannot pay. Tracy Lynch is the author of the new book. It's titled Donum, Creating a Sustainable Gifting Experience, Tracy, I am absolutely thrilled to cover this topic with you today. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. I loved every word of Donum, creating a sustainable gifting experience. And I would like to start today by asking you, why did you feel the pull to write this book? That is a great question. And I also want to thank you for having me. I really admire your work and I really appreciate this opportunity. I've always been this way. The older I get, the more I know that I've been a minimalist. I've been someone that cares about the planet, the health of the planet. And the more I see us do harm, the more I know we have the ability to find simple solutions to help protect the health of the planet. I've come to grips with the fact that this planet is a live entity and just like our bodies, it will eventually die. That used to stress me out immensely, but just like our bodies, 
what we can do is help to protect our health so that we can live well and live as long as possible. Since people are so inundated with everything now, we have access to everything in the world now. It is so hard to get anyone to change a behavior unless it's super simple and it can fit into what they do already. And that's where the idea came from. Well, you have in your book, you offer so many tips Uh, I would say even steps for taking an unintentional gift giver and morphing or maturing into a sustainable and an intentional one. And I definitely want to talk to you about your steps, your ideas there, but let's really nail down the why. I love how you mentioned that the planet is a living, breathing entity. What is it about the gift giving experience that's hurting this living entity, which is, of course, planet Earth? Great question. So I always like to preface conversations with the fact that we are not admonishing anyone. We're not saying not to participate in the gift-giving exchange, which is rooted in tradition. It brings great joy to many people who participate. However, we can expect that about 6 billion tons of gifts will be returned every year. This is not just at the holiday. This is birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, weddings, um, baby showers, Valentine's Day, Easter, um, Halloween, it goes on and on. So we can expect that 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 the, it's 5.8 billion tons of returns are going to end up in a landfill every single year. Now, 88% of people believe that when they buy a gift, if they return it, it's just going to go back on the shelf to be sold to the next consumer. This is false. And that's the number one thing that I like to drive home is nine times out of 10, that gift is not going to be resold, especially if you buy it online. So what does that cost us? It's 16 million metric tons of CO2 emissions to produce those gifts that are being returned. But get this, it takes another 16 million metric tons of CO2 to just get them to the landfill. Okay. So that is glass, metals, paper, lumber, natural goods, plant materials, plastics. And this high consumption for something that is essentially not going to be utilized is a price that the planet cannot pay. And with 8 billion people on the planet and many, if not most of uh, humans participating in gift exchange in some way, shape or form, it's not something that's going to be sustainable. There's a lot there. You mentioned essentially, you know, the gift giving exchange, the culturally embedded gift giving exchange that's rooted in decades of tradition comes at a price that the planet can't pay. I mean, mic drop right there. <laughs> when we talk about the gift giving exchange, we assume that the person who's getting the gift that we lovingly picked out for in the store, in the store, we assume that the recipient is going to love on it. But if we 
take that a step further, we know that that's likely not true because how many times have we ourselves received gifts that we didn't exactly love, that we returned or we didn't get to returning it in the window. So we just, you know, put it in the corner of our home. Maybe we'll re-gift it. Maybe we don't. And so the gift giving exchange, as you call it, is wrought with problems. On the individual level, it's filling our homes with stuff that we probably don't need. How often do we get a gift of something we need? Usually it's a a want, an extra, an excess, right? So on the individual level, there's that problem. And then on the planetary level, the stuff that we're buying I know I learned in your book that if we buy something in store, return it in store, there is a higher percentage chance that it's returned to shelves. But what what exactly happens to the stuff that we just put back in the mailbox, send back to corporate headquarters? Is it really just going straight to the landfill? And if so, why? Well, think of it this way. Logistics is designed to take a gift or product, I should say, from the manufacturer to the end user, which is the consumer, which is us. It is not designed nor equipped to reverse that process successfully and economically and get that product back to the seller. And it's so um, expensive, right, that many sellers are just saying, you know what, go ahead and donate that item. Go ahead and keep that item. We'll go ahead and sell you another one. Why is that? Because it can cost up to 66% of the cost of that item for the seller to bring it back, process it, and then reship it. So they're telling you, just go ahead and keep it. Bigger the item, more chance, the bigger chance they're going to tell you to keep it. So imagine if everyone drove to work in the morning during rush hour backward. This is your task. You have to get to work on time. What time would you have to leave? To get to work on time, driving backward with the rest of the Americans in Boston or Indianapolis or Chicago, not only would it be treacherous, it would almost be impossible. It would almost be impossible because we're not equipped to do that. Imagine someone harvesting plant materials, um, whatever needs to go into your gift. They take it to a manufacturing warehouse and they hire labor to put that together. It runs down an assembly line and they come out with a a, a product for you. They package that product, put it on a pallet. They take that pallet. They take it by truck to a boat. They take it, put it on that boat. It takes six weeks to get here. That's fuel. They unpack it. They send it to a distribution center by train. A truck picks it up and takes it to local distribution centers where you order it. Amazon picks it up. They bring it to your house. You look at it. You wrap it and give it as a gift. And then they decide they don't like it. The energy, the labor, the cost is not something that's going to be sustainable for 8 billion people. And that's why reverse logistics does not work. Yeah, it's not sustainable for 8 billion people. And it's not sustainable because thanks to expert marketing professionals, every day, is a holiday. Every day is a day to give a gift. I mean, yes, we're just coming off the... December, the holiday season. But what's right down the pipeline is um, Valentine's Day. It's a made-up holiday. (laughs) It's a made-up holiday made by Hallmark. And, you know, even though it's a made-up holiday, even though we all know that, it's still about flowers and chocolates and little stuffed animals for our kids. There's so many opportunities 
for us to be unintentional with our gift giving. I'm so fascinated by the psychology of the gift giving exchange. Why, in your opinion, do you think that so many of us, the majority of us, miss gift in the ways that we do? Oh my goodness. There's there's many reasons I could have written a book just about the psychology of gifting, but I limited it to it to a chapter. It can stem from anything to how we feel about ourselves, how we were raised. Did we have a lot? Did we live in lack? We hear many parents say, I want my children to have a better experience than I had. And these individuals tend to overdo it. They don't just buy what the child needs or a few things that they want. They want that tree stuffed. They want that area filled with stuff. And we do it for one another. If you have a husband or a wife or a partner who grew up in lack, you may be wanting to be a hero and provide them a better experience to prove your love, to prove your affection, to make them feel better about themselves or to make yourself, you feel better about yourself. There's also the um, phenomenon of if she gives me a gift, I have to give her one. There's a lot of angst in giving because we don't know how much to spend. We feel guilt surrounding the gifting experience. And it really does take away from the joy of it. I talk about Santa in the book and we're interviewing Santa. And we truly believe, because you asked me the, about the psychology, we truly believe that Santa got it right. Yeah, it's for folklore, but he still got it right. First thing he asked you, have you been good or bad? Well, of course I've been good. Okay, great, great. Check that off. Now, what do you want for Christmas? All right, he writes it down. Then he says, I checked my list and I checked it twice. We don't do that. We go out for the surprise. We want a surprise element. But if we begin to shift our, our mindset in, into a collective consciousness that realizes that the planet cannot afford the luxury of surprise anymore, and we go for delight, then what we will do is we will find out what people want. Now, listen to this. This is like this. This is like drop the mic. Find out what the person wants before you buy it. And then don't go veer off, veering off trying to place yourself in their shoes and buy according to what you want or what you think they should want or what you think you should pay. If they said, I want a frying pan that matches this set and you get to the store and it's $29.99, but you feel that you should spend $50 so you go off and buy something else, they're going to take that gift back. They're not going to tell you. They're going to smile in your face. We do it all the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Half of people are planning to take a gift back the moment they receive it. Half. It's ridiculous. Well, Tracy, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to talk about your very powerful, very big assertion which is that it is possible to purchase a gift that delivers 100% satisfaction to the recipient. We're going to get there after a quick word from our sponsors. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. 
You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. And we're back. Today, I'm speaking with Tracy Lynch. She is the co-author of Donum, Creating a Sustainable Gifting Experience. We're going to talk about how exactly to create that gifting experience, but I have to ask you as a little aside, what does Donum mean? Why is it the title of your book? Uh, Donum is Latin for the word gift. So we are calling this a gifting revolution. We want to evolve in our thinking. And we want to evolve around this segment of gifting. So many people have so many platforms. I love them all. I love them all. I love every environmentalist that's doing every single thing in their own way. And this is my way in that gifting sector. I loved that you use the word evolving there, right? This show is about drilling down intention not doing things because that's the way they've always been done, but evolving, doing better. And so before the break, I alluded to the big, powerful statement you make in your book, which is that it is possible to purchase gifts for others that deliver 100% satisfaction to the recipient. Oh my goodness. How do I do this? Sign me up. Tell me how. This is exciting. So in the book, there are samples of worksheets. And we did the worksheet so people would have a concrete way of gathering information that they need to make a conscious choice. But also people spend about 15 hours just at Christmas time shopping. And if you use these tools that are in the book to drill down what the people that you care about, your colleagues and so forth, and get to know them a little bit better, you're going to be able to make a educated choice. And actually save time in the future. You don't have to call your sister-in-law and ask what size shoe your brother wears. You don't have to call your mom and ask her what your dad wants. 
you have it right there for yourself. And so the worksheet walks you through gathering some information one time about what is your gifting philosophy? And that's just a statement from them saying, well, I love pre-used items. I love to repurpose. Um, I don't like to waste. Please don't buy me clothes. Please don't buy me shoes. Clothes and shoes are the number one landfiller right ahead of beauty products. If you're buying people clothes, you need to know a lot about those clothes. Otherwise, you may want to just go ahead and select something different from their list of things that they they desire and leave the clothing buying to them. It's very personal. Leave it to the kid's mom or dad or what have you. But that worksheet also looks at things like allergies, favorite flowers, favorite scents. It's a a must-have for any husband who wants to stay off the naughty list because it's right there all year round. What what does his mom love? What fragrances does she use? Um, The more we know, the more conscious we can be and even take advantage and save money by purchasing gifts way ahead of time. And otherwise, in other words, if you have 10 people in your circle that you know you're going to buy gifts for, and you already kind of know what they want, and you're out and about and you see that on sale, get it now. Get it before they run out and we're having distribution problems in October and November. It can inform us so that we can be 100% sure when we lay that credit card down or that debit card down, that they are going to enjoy this gift, they're going to cherish it, and they're going to use it. Because I could buy you something and you have it already. I know she loves it, but you already have it. So you have no use or space for that. Imagine going out and saying, oh my gosh, I just love this sofa from Crate and Barrel. I love it. I have one at home, but I'm just going to buy another one. But I have nowhere to put it. That's what it's like. Bringing home something you love just because you love it doesn't work either. You have to have a space in your life for it. So what I hear you saying there, Tracy, is that we're taking the very low level question of what do you want for Valentine's Day or what do you want for your birthday? And we're stepping it up a few notches. Uh, but, But how do you initiate the conversation? Are you giving them a printout of this form for our loved ones to fill out in their own time? What does this look like? And I'm asking that specifically because in my life and perhaps in your life and perhaps in my listener's life, talking about like what we want can be uncomfortable for some people. Like verbalizing our wishes can be difficult. So are we giving people a paper and asking them to fill it out? Are we talking about it? What are we, how are we doing this? I love it. It could be done a couple of different, different ways. Um, But one thing is for sure, until we, until we are comfortable opening the dialogue, nothing will change. I spoke with someone recently who told me that they got together for the holiday and they were exchanging gifts And her brother-in-law had told her that he did not want to receive any gifts. She did it anyway. And he got angry. And he ended up buying them gifts after that. And she said, I feel terrible. She said, now that I understand how to honor someone's wishes, 
I wish I had had the conversation. And so with that brother-in-law, I suggested she go back and just open a conversation and say, hey, I apologize for gifting. And I want to get to know you better. And I don't want to offend you anymore. Can you just share a little bit with me about why you don't prefer to receive gifts? And then listen, I don't prefer to receive gifts because I don't want to get caught up in exchanging things that I don't need, or I have everything that I could need and want, and there's no need for anyone to spend that there are resources on me. Or I don't want to feel beholden to give gifts to people because they gave me a gift. But if we don't start asking questions about what is your gift and philosophy, what kind of gifts do you like to receive? What price range do you think is is a good amount to spend on a gift? I don't know when this became taboo or how it went under the current in our culture, but these are the perfect questions to ask. It's just like when you have a baby, nobody sends you home with instructions. This happened to gift giving. Nobody gave instructions about how to give a gift. So when you take that worksheet and you can copy it, and I'm going to upload them on my um, website so people have even clearer copies you could ask them the question, say, hey, I want to spend about 10 minutes talking about gifting. I'm planning my year and I want to be a responsible and conscious gift giver. And I don't want to contribute to the consumerist mismanagement of the planet. Don't let me get deep. But let's have a, do you, would you mind having a conversation with me about it? Like, what's your favorite flower? What things would you not want me to ever buy you? Do you wear fragrances? What t- do you moisturize? What's your beauty routine? Um, something people could always get me is something I'm going to use anyway, like holistic, natural cleaning products. I, I'm always going to use that. And if you gave me a basket or a grocery bag, I don't care, with um, some Mrs. Myers or uh, seventh generation in it, I would be super pleased with that. If you gave me a moisturizer that I'm going to use anyway, that is something that's a value to me. And also you took me seriously. You became in sync with me. You aligned with me. You cared for me enough to find out what is my heart? What do, how do I live my life? So opening the conversation does not have to be uncomfortable. If you have a colleague or, I mean, just observe. Do you, have a, do you really love it here? Oh, yes, I eat here all the time. Me and my wife, da 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 Oh, let me make a note of that. You know what I'm saying? So how do you have the conversation? You could give them the sheet and have them give it back to you. You could sit there with them and just fill it out for them. You could give them a phone call if they live out of town and just say, hey, I'm planning your gifts this year. You should be so excited. Let's talk about what your needs are this year you know, what what you might want. Because I don't want to give you anything that you don't want. I don't want to waste that money and waste your time with that. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And it makes me think a couple things. Number one is the way that we gift here in the Western world is so backwards because we do indeed insert our own likes and dislikes and opinions and values and preferences in our purchasing for other people. Because we don't know what our loved ones want and like. We've never opened the door to having that communication. And I would also say, too, if the thought of having this chat or the thought of giving your loved ones this printout is stressful or difficult or giving you the heebie-jeebies, 
then I would suggest that for those people who you don't want to do this with, they are not close enough to you to receive a gift. Like they're not a big enough part of your life to warrant getting them a gift for this or that or the other thing. What would you say to that? I I think it's very well said and, and very, very conscious, very conscious, because many people can't get to that level in their mind of releasing that energy of saying, you know what, if I'm in this much angst about buying this person a gift, how about not doing it? How about just not doing it and releasing any low vibration feelings about it, like shame or guilt? Those are soup. Those are the lowest vibration. How about trying to release it? How about trying something different? And I love that suggestion. The uh, CEO of Patagonia said it very well. Just don't buy. That's a choice. Just don't buy it. And I think that your statement about if you cannot find a way to open up this conversation and you're not comfortable enough having it, that person either is on a different wavelength than you or the person is not close enough to you for you to be spending that amount of energy doing that. Yeah. I also love to the fact that, you know, actually having this conversation with our loved ones and following our loved ones gifting wishes, that's a powerful way of saying, I heard you. I'm respecting you. I'm respecting you by listening and following your wishes. I love all of that. I'm picturing in my mind like a three ring binder of your printouts for my, I don't know, let's say I gift for eight people, um, one for each of them. And so for people like me who find gifting incredibly stressful, that's a resource for me. That also makes me as the giver, that makes my job as the giver a little bit easier. It definitely does. And I'll use it uh, two examples. The first example is a friend of mine. She read the book and she shared it with her daughter and her husband's very hard to, to give for. And she actually asked her dad, she said, look, I know you don't want me to buy you anything, but I really want to, what could I get you that you would actually use? And he chose a charitable contribution. And when his daughter presented him with the card that showed this charitable contribution, he cried because he felt that he had used this gift to transfer it into something usable and worthy versus receiving something that he would not ever care about. Well, I just want to cut in there and say, because we've never had these conversations with the people in our lives... We don't know whether, you know, our family, our friends are wanting to continue with these gifting traditions. Perhaps they feel the same way as us and they don't want anything and they're sick of it and it's stressful and they would like to take a step back from gifting or they'd like to gift with more intention. I would be willing to bet that there are people in our lives who want to gift in a more evolved way. And we don't know it because we haven't talked about it. I agree with that. I agree with that because this is not, when I picked up this thought, it wasn't the, I wasn't the only person who ever 
felt this way. I wasn't the only person that had this idea. I'm just the person that decided to write it down and try to drill down to one simple thing that can change the entire planet. But believe me, what you just said is absolutely true because there are tribes out there that want to change this. Um, I had someone ask me, do I really believe that we can change the health of the planet by changing our gifting practices? And I said, 100%, 100%. Malcolm Gladwell talks about in the tipping point that as we share our messages, that we will reach a saturation point where the scale will begin to tip in our favor. And once you do that and that train starts to go, it will be very, very hard to stop that mentality because it's coming from our collective consciousness. This was born in the collective. I didn't, Like I said, I didn't just pick up the idea somewhere. This was evolving in the planet, in the ether, and just needed to be brought down to earth so that we could use it in a practical way. I started a little list of sustainable or conscious gift-giving ideas. Um, my longtime listeners, these are not really going to be revolutionary, but I tried to buy experiences for my loved ones over a thing, make consumables over giving a trinket. I try to, with my closest family, like my parents especially, I try to give them one bigger gift as opposed to a bunch of smaller ones. And when I say bigger, I mean like financially more hefty. If I'm spending, let's say $50, I'm going to buy one thing that's $50 instead of five things that are $10. And then I heard from you, steer clear of the clothes and shoes unless you're told otherwise. They're the number one returned gift. Any other like quick little tangible takeaways for listeners? Absolutely. Buy something that people are going to use anyway. This is great for older people too, because maybe they're not getting around as much or they're not wanting to go back and forth to the grocery store or the big box stores. So things like detergent, bleach, um, laundry items is a wonderful gift for them. Cleaning items. If they have a vacuum cleaner, vacuum cleaner bags, um, just thoughtful things that you can put together that you already know that they are 100% going to use. For husbands, wives, partners, you get to know their products that they use every day. All you have to do is walk in their bathroom or their side of the bathroom and just look right there and you can see what lip balm they use, what perfume is empty and the other ones are still full. Oh, that looks like the favorite. You don't even have to ask because you know they're going to use it. And that should give us the most comfort in this process than any other thing is that I know they are going to use this gift. Anything that is less stressful on the planet is always good. So if it's repurposed or used, like I am a gardener. So if you brought me a really cool gardening tool from the secondhand store, I'm going to use it. It's going to be better made anyway than what's out there today. And then that brings me to my third thing. And that is buy better quality. Um, I still have tools from my father. I still have his hammer. I still have his drill. I still have many of the things that were in our home when I was growing up. And those items are very well made. So instead of, like you said, spending $10 on several things, go ahead and spend the $50 on one well-made item with a good warrant, good company warranty and give that instead. I was going to wrap it up, Tracy, but you said something there that I really want to 
get your thoughts on. You mentioned giving items that our loved ones are going to use anyway. Bleach, you mentioned. Or I was thinking to myself the year that I gave my aunt a gift certificate to her preferred grocery store. These are not exciting gifts. And when I gave that gift to the grocery store, I felt strange about it in my heart because we all want to give a gift with the wow factor, right? We want to surprise them. We want to see the smile. Um, And when we get gifts too, we not all of us, but many of us tend to want to be happily wowed as well. And so do you have any words of encouragement for listeners who are thinking, I could never get bleach or a gift certificate to the supermarket or, I don't know, soap for the bathroom for people I love because they're wah, 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 boring? <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a just a great piece of this conversation because... One, remember, we're trying to delight, not surprise. And so when you're re- when you're providing a gift that someone's going to use anyway, you're keeping money in their pocket. That is a delightful feeling. My mother-in-law is still driving on a gas card that she received last year because she doesn't go anywhere. And she is so delighted to use that card and say, I still have my gas card. You know what I mean? But she's like, I wish people would stop buying me slippers. Like you're going to her extra bedroom and they're just lined up. But she's like, but the gas cart, she's practical. She knows economy and she can appreciate that. But on the flip side, you're going to have people that are hard to buy for, never satisfied. And maybe we go back to your suggestion. Don't buy them anything. How about that? Like you're too hard to buy for. Why don't you have it out? (laughs) Well, I think you just really summed up the evolution of our collective gifting, right? We're no longer trying to surprise because that's a tall order. We're trying instead to delight. I love it. That just, whoa, changed my life. Tracy, I enjoyed every minute of talking to you. You've given me a lot of motivation to not surprise, but delight. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Listeners, that is a wrap, my friends. Show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 340. Everything you need is found in the show notes today. I recently received an email from a new listener. Her name is Brandy. Hi, Brandy. So happy you're listening. And she said she wants me to bring back the eco tips. And I thought to myself, yes, where did the eco tips go? It wasn't an intentional on my part. Let's forget about the eco tips. It was more of a... At the end of an episode, I always forget to include one. So here and now, I need you all to hold me accountable. We are bringing back officially the eco tips. That means if you have one, you got to send it to me. Reach out on social media. That's in the show notes. Send me an email. That's in the show notes. Send me your eco tip. No eco tip is too big or too small. We take them all here. I do have an eco tip for you today, and I'm very sorry to the person who sent it to me. I screenshotted the eco tip, but I did not screenshot your name. My Deepest apologies, but from this unknown user, she has an amazing eco tip for us today. And they said that what helps them find non-Amazon products online is alternate search engines to Google. The alternate search engines, Quant is one of them, Neva is another one, linked in the show notes. They help better find out about local stuff, smaller businesses, They also don't track your information. So if you 
listened to my episode on that and you're concerned, try a smaller search engine. In that episode, the number is escaping me at the moment, but I'll link to that in the show notes as well. My guest mentioned how, you know, Google tracks your information. DuckDuckGo was the one that my guest recommended, does not. So try a different search engine. Try Quant, try Neva, try Bing, try DuckDuckGo, see how it works out for you. So thank you so much for that eco tip. Listeners, if you love this show and if you receive benefit and if it has helped you in your life, please leave it a very, very quick Amazon review. Amazon review. Look at me, Amazon. No, don't leave a review on Amazon. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and I really thank you so much for taking the time to support the show in that way. And while you're at it, go write a quick review for all your favorite podcasts. Your favorite podcast hosts will be really, really grateful. I'll see you on Thursday. We are discussing... This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming... And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.